You guys, let's uh, let's just pray out before we before we dig in. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for just a beautiful snowy morning, Lord, where it's cold outside, but we can come in here and, and get warm and be filled with your warmth, Lord God. This was, um, you know, open the gate back there, let people in and out, and see how full it was, Lord, and just thinking of, yeah, it's just about right. It's cold outside, so you just bring the multitudes so we can come in here and get warm together, Lord. And so we just thank you that we have a place to worship you and to learn about you, God. And so I just pray that inside of these walls, that's all they are is walls, but I pray inside these walls, God, that it's only your word and your truth, Lord, and that we would, none of us would ever leave here um, just not better than when we walked in, God. So can do a work in our lives every single week, every time that we are just pressing into you. We love you, Jesus, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, if you want to open your Bibles or turn on your phones or whatever, whatever how we do the Bible, um, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Take a little break from Acts. And um, yeah, you guys, this is, this is an amazing message like all of them, but this is directly to all of us sitting here, all of us that call Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, to all of us who consider ourselves the church, God's body, okay? Because Paul is talking to the Corinthian church. So it's good to understand as we dive into this, that these people that he's talking to, the Corinthian church, the body of Christ, they're believers. And it's going to be kind of a, to be honest with you, this can be an, an offensive text. But you know what? It's God's word. And we don't have to shy from that. And I think that's why this place is full all the time is because we don't shy from it. We go through it word by word, verse by verse, no matter how offensive it is. Because we let God be the one that offends people, right? Because he's the one that can change that and turn that and cultivate that to change their lives for our good and his glory. Okay? Um, I got to hustle through this because I'm supposed to set a timer, right, Johnny? Or did you set it? Um, but I got to hustle through this because there's a lot to cover. I don't even want to break this, this um, chapter up at all because it, it really all runs together. So I figure out how to set a timer at the same time. Um, and so I got to be done in 40 minutes. Sure, that means I can go longer. Sorry, guys. Here we go. Timer set. That's going to ring. You guys are all going to hear it ring. Okay, anyways, let's get out. So, um, let's just, I'm going to give you just a little short backdrop, which I'd love to give you a big one because um, Corinthians, the reason it was such a huge place is, is geographically how it's designed. It's just this port that draws people in, not just from the countries. But from all over the world. And that's why in Corinth, this city, there is every walk of life, every belief in life, every carnal thing of life. Okay? And so, as we understand that and we think about that, sometimes we often think like, and you hear it a lot even, people say, we got to get, today's church is all wrong. We got to get it back to the original church. You guys, this is, 
This is the original New Testament church, this, this town of Corinth, okay? And the truth is, when someone says that, we would say, oh, do you mean like, like the original church was in Corinth? That's how we should be? Because, yes, these are believers, and yes, they love the Lord, the church of Corinthian. But the problem is, is the historians say that back then, you guys... Think about how messed up the world is now. We're all seeing it. We're all like, what is going on? It's getting worse. It's out of control. It's a snowball effect. That it's just worse and worse and worse. Historians say that the, the city of Corinth then was way worse than it is today. Today doesn't hold a candle to that. The life of the way people were living there. Put that into perspective. How bad that is. Okay, so we would say like, oh, so the town of Corinth, that's how we should get the church back to it? You guys, as through chapter 1 and 2 of 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul is talking to us believers, church, the church body, then and today, and he was talking to them about disunity, right? We had problems where people were saying, I'm of Paul, and I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, and um, instead of saying, like, I'm for Jesus, and these are just other people that Jesus has used to, to help bring us up and understand who Jesus is. They were trying to follow these guys and worship these guys, okay? So, and it caused disunity because they were fighting about it. We go into chapters 3 and 4, and it starts, Paul's talking to him about immaturity, okay? In the beginning of, of chapter 3, he says something to him along the lines of, you guys, are, you guys are babes in Christ. I can't even, I should be able to talk to you at this point and give you guys some meat instead of milk, but you're still children, and I can't, and I'm very disappointed in that, you know, and that goes through um, chapters 3 and 4, and then we get into 5 and 6 is what we're in today, and it's about impurity. So those are the three things up to this point in the First Corinthians, is disunity, impurity, I'm sorry, immaturity, and then impurity. You guys, as we go through this, remember, what we're about to go through, not one of us sitting here is above this stuff. Even as saved Christians outside of Christ. Okay? Not keeping Christ focused in the center of your life, charging towards towards Jesus. Okay, so let's get into it. Paul is wound up, y'all. I mean, he's fired up. You can tell right out of the gate here in verse 1 where he says, Dare any of you having a matter against another go-to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? He's, those are very strong words. Dare any of you. That's how he starts that out in this part of the letter. He had heard through um, the, the grapevine that there was some, a lot of struggles throughout the church, right? But one of them, and he starts out where he's, and I kind of, you wouldn't have thought it was really that big of a deal, but it's legality stuff, suing people, suing your brother or sister in Christ. Yes, you know, legal legality stuff is a big deal. I'm not belittling that, but you think like, man, is it really like a, something we got to learn about? But the funny thing is, you guys, this is something that's huge for us. We all need to understand as Christians because a lot of times we get it wrong when we talk about different levels of sin. We think there is. Okay, so keep that in the back of your mind as we go into this. And so he's all wound up and he's, he's fired up and he's like, what are you guys doing? You're suing each other. Some, somebody must have been mad and there was some kind of a business deal between brothers in Christ in the church 
and it blew up and, and they, these people take it to the law outside of the church. You know, another, the, the literal um, term and um, understanding of when it says you go to law before unrighteous, the unrighteous. Unrighteous means the justice system outside of Christ that is literally not just before God. They're not saved is what he's talking about. These are not saved people that are in the court system outside of it. And so something to understand in the context here is that this in Corinth, it was a huge deal to be a part, to be called a jury duty. Now think about it now. Is it, a, is it our duty? But man, do we love being called a jury duty? No. Courtney got called this week. <laughs> Uh, but she's such a great citizen. She's happy to go. You know, this guy on the other hand, I have to say out loud in front of everybody. I don't know if this gets me in trouble, trouble legally. I guess if it does, I deserve it. But like my boss a long time ago wrote a letter because I kept getting him, and it was kind of I was a one man band at the time on the ranch, and and my boss wrote me this lit, beautiful letter of how I couldn't go. I don't have time to. My season is from January to January. I have no help, blah, 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 and I haven't had a single letter since. <laughs> I know, I know. So, you guys, this whole thing is about the guy you're staring at. This whole thing today. Anyways, so um, the, the context, sorry. The context is that, man, they loved it. They loved the court system. There'd be times where there'd be on the, the jury, there'd be 40-some people. There's, there's historical records that even at times... There was a thousand people on the jury. They loved it. They were all about it. It was in the center of the city. People would come and watch, and it was always a big deal. And it was just because people got to see other people's laundry being aired out, right? And then they could go and gossip about it. So you can imagine in this very uh, just like pagan community where those Christians that got everything upside down, those Christians, when they got to see them guys come and squabble in court, Oh, they really liked it then, right? Because us Christians were all a bunch of hypocrites to the world. Well, Paul's very fired up because when you take this stuff to the world and you air your laundry as a Christian to the world under to an unjust, not just before God, unsaved ruling, you're dragging God's name through the mud. Now, I want to be very clear. As Christians, do we do this? Nope, I'm a perfect Christian. You ever hear me swear or anything? No, that's pretty hard for God to use your testimony when we try to put on some suit of Christians. You know what the Bible says about that is whitewashed tombs, empty on the inside, but God looking like it on the outside. Very clear that's not how we're supposed to be. But same time, Paul's fired up because he's like, you guys, why do you not trust your church body? Why do you not trust God and the leadership that's put in front of you to help you delegate and mediate these kinds of things. So he's wound up. I gotta get going. Okay. Verse two. Do you know that the he says, Do you know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you know that the saints will judge the world? Just so you know, I think this is this is a little bit of Joe's bend into this. I'm going to be very clear of that. But I think it makes sense. And there's more to it. But we're going to, he says that we're going to judge the world. 
Well, isn't the, that scripture in Matthew always misused? Don't you judge. It says don't judge. Don't judge. That scripture is twisted terribly because it says simply take the plank out of your eye before you judge and take the speck out of your brother. Read your Bible before you do it. So, sorry. Yes, we are supposed to judge. Now, do we con uh, condemn and all that stuff? No, absolutely not. That's God and that's his deal. But I, I, where we judge the world is where, yes, we all need Jesus. But where I can say, oh man, this guy needs Jesus. I'm going to go talk to him about Jesus. He's in a bad spot. He's tried everything he can to get out of the junk that he's in. And nothing's worked. He just hasn't tried Jesus. Right? So I'll, we are to judge the world in that. That's kind of Joe's spin on that. But I, I do believe it's, it's biblical when he's talking about it. But it is more than just judging the world. Okay? Verse 3 goes on to say, do you know, I'm sorry, let me back up for a second even. Okay, so in verse 2, where he says, um, do you know that the saints will judge the world? Here's the question. Do you guys know who the saints are? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you who the saints are. One right here, he just said it was. The elite, ninja, jiving, Bible-thumping, kung-fuing Christian. There's only a couple in this room. He's one. Wade's one. John's not. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. No, you guys. That's not what Scripture says. Scripture says each and every one of us that want to surrender our lives to Christ and bow the knee like we just sang about. Bow the knee to God, which means like everything I thought and I was so smart in all these ways of life, I can bend and understand that man, I was just wrong. And I, need, I need to be reborn. Okay? Those are saints. That's what the Bible says the saints are. Each and every one of us that do that. And we will judge the world. This is mind-blowing. This is crazy and radical. And if you guys don't think so like I think so, deal with it with Jesus. Okay, verse 3. Do you know that we shall judge angels? We're going to judge angels. But wait a minute. They're already up in heaven. They're already... These angelic beings, they are definitely angelic beings. They're, they're already above us, right? Paul says right here, and we also see, oh, don't hold me to it. I think it's like Revelation 19 or something. And then it actually talks about it in the Old Testament through the New Testament of how when Jesus comes back, you guys, he is coming back. And he's coming back with the saints to deal with Satan and all of his angelic beings. Okay? So what does this mean? You know what I take it as? Is that we get to judge the saints is what we're talking about. So when I get to heaven, I can go find my guardian angel and walk up to him and be like, you remember that old rattlesnake counterfeit paint horse that used to buck me off every single block? Well, let me try to buck me off. Okay. <laughs> remember when that time, that one time he did get me? And I was all by myself out in the middle of nowhere, and I lit on the back of my head, and I was knocked out for a while. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And remember how that was in a 2,500-acre pasture, and I had to go find him? Where were you there, guardian angel? No, you guys, that's not what this is talking about at all. We're going to have judgment, and nobody knows. Nobody knows. But we're going to have judgment over these angelic beings. If there's angelic beings, angels... In heaven, with, Jesus, with God and Jesus, doing whatever God has them doing, there's the same angelic beings that 
chose Satan and chose their way that are roaming around all the spiritual stuff we learned about it, the men's muster, right? Those will be the ones that we judge. All the saints, it says, will come back with Jesus to judge all of them, right? And don't they deserve it? Don't we, don't we love the fact that we serve a just God? A just God. We want justice. Sometimes not when it's towards us and we deserve it. We're just too proud to say we do. But we do want a just God. So these angelic beings, namely Lucifer, you guys, this is mind-blowing. We get to be a part in some capacity, I don't know what, of judging Satan himself. Blew my mind. It should blow yours. I'm surprised I'm going to get something more around. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, incredible, incredible. Absolutely incredible. Right? We will judge the world and angels. Let's go to verse 4. If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? You guys, again, is this that big of a deal that we go to court outside of outside of the church body. Yes, it is. And here's another little angle that it would be very good for us to realize. These judges that he's talking about, I'm not saying all judges today aren't Christians, right? Get that out of your mind. We're talking about judges that are not Christians that have to judge through the lens of the world, not the lens of biblical lens. Like your church body and your leadership has to judge, right? Through a biblical lens. Okay? These secular judges are the least to the church, to us. Not, we don't care about their salvation, but the least as far as them having some kind of um, verdict, one way or another, in a problem in our lives. Here's the thing that, that popped into my head when I was studying this. Think about all the silly things. The, the McDonald's coffee, right? Wait, whenever that was. Someone drank hot coffee and burned themselves soup McDonald's or more. I went to McDonald's for hot coffee, burnt myself, and I sued him and won. That's the kind of worldly judging, right? Here's the heavier one. What about the judges that choose to kill babies? Those are the worldly judges that we're talking about. And, and this is why Paul is so wound up about this, and we should be too, and why it is a big deal. What are we doing taking our matters to that kind of judgment as Christians, we cannot get on board with. So why would we get on board with it with our stuff between each other? You guys, you can, you can. It's not exactly the context, but throw in there when we're frustrated with each other, even as brothers and sisters, right? Like, just how does God call us to act? Hold your ground. Be proud. Prove a point. I don't believe so. Okay? Keep that in mind as we go through that. It's just a little side note. We don't exactly believe on what's... So a brother or sister, something's happening with it. Just because we don't agree. Maybe we're right, maybe we're wrong. But maybe we just trust the Lord and, and yield in that after we go and talk to them about it. Right? We like... Paul's not saying don't talk about it. He's saying definitely do. But where's our heart in that? Verse 5, let's keep it rolling. I say this to your shame, Paul says. It's getting like intense. He's, I say this to your shame. 
Is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one, who will be able to judge between his brethren? He's like, not, you guys, seriously, not one? You couldn't think of one person that was biblical enough to handle this little squabble that you have going on? And he calls it a little squabble when he calls it the smallest matters there in verse 2. Not one wise man. You guys, Paul wasn't against all worldly legal situations. Acts 22, verse 25 or something we just went through. What did Paul do? He went to the Romans, right? Um, appealed for his rights with the Romans. Hey, you can't, you can't um, accuse me or, or charge me because I'm a Roman, right? So there's a place for it, but not brother against brother. There is not a place for it. Sister against sister. Disputes must be resolved between us here as a body. Here's the part though, you guys. By God's principles. That's how those things get handled, right? What does the word say? You guys, the, the Bible covers it all. Everything that can conjure up, Satan can conjure up between us, the Bible's got to cover it. It's happened. Okay? So we do that by God's principles. God's mediators. Fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Leadership. Pastor. Elders. Whatever it is. That's how we, we get through these squabbles. There's no reason for Christians to sue other Christians ever. Never, Paul says. I feel like it's kind of easy to think about, though, because you, you're going through, you should be going through any kind of confrontation or anything wrong or right, doesn't matter, with this biblical lens. That's why. And you're not going to get that outside of, right here, in your home body, your church, with your fellow Christians. You guys, we need to seek godly counsel and desire to be Christ-like in all of our thoughts and our actions. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes. Everybody got an A plus. Okay. So, can Christians sue non-believers? You know, maybe you'd say, well, I won't sue brother or sister, but that guy that wrongs me over there, well, I'm taking his pick. I'm, I'm coming after everything. You guys, this is actually a controversial subject, biblical, controversial subject, right? Some people would say one side of that argument is that you cannot, never, for the sake of your testimony, Jesus' testimony, those things like being Christ-like, for the sake of that, you could never sue anybody outside a worldly person. Okay? Others would say, and you kind of have to agree with both, that Paul doesn't address that here, does he? It's a good argument. He doesn't say you can't. Does... Does, again, though, you guys, does he say this should go unresolved? No. No, it should definitely be resolved. And you guys, sometimes, big business or little business, you know, maybe it's got to go there. 
Just because that's the direction it's going, you're in a position you're going to lose everything. I, you know, I don't even know. Maybe, maybe that's the direction it should go. But here's the point that we can say that the Bible does tell us is simply that, man, if there's any other way, if there's any other way to resolve it, we should try that first. And you think about it in great big scheme things like big million, billion dollar businesses and stuff. And, and I have a good buddy that, that had a very successful, successful uh, construction business. And, and there, was a lot of, there was a lot of that stuff constantly. And, you know, they'd be in court battles and stuff. And, um, you know, I just think, I can see how I would think like, this is too big, this is too big a company. You can't just go in and reason with these people. But I would say, yeah, you might be right, but why would you not at least try as a Christian? Because as Christians, we believe that God literally parted a sea so his people could walk through it. We believe that. We literally believe that God created a world where the moon controls the tides. This is, look, if God wants to, and he wants you to walk into some big, you know, meeting and just beg this other company, like, hey, look, is there any other way? I think that God can change a billion dollar company to, to go to that and honor that. Is that how it'll go? I have no idea. But I definitely, the word tells us is there, if there's any other way. Okay. Where are we at here, you guys? Test. I knew that. You guys, the only one that wins in these kinds of things, when our flesh gets involved and we just got to win, we're going to win, we were right, they were wrong, blah, blah, blah. The only one that wins is Satan and lawyers. Sorry, if you're a lawyer, I believe you're a Christian lawyer, it's different, but. Uh, yeah, Satan's the only one that wins, you guys. He's the only one that wins in these situations. Okay? Um. God wants things resolved justly, right? You know, I had a, I had a family member that was um, going through a, a real nasty divorce, and we had to go over to the valley, and we um, called to be at the hearings and all that stuff. And, you know, I just, it was a tough deal, but to be honest, a lot of things were shown, and light came out to some things that I didn't know about, and um, of course, did I want to go to my family in that direction? The, the decision, sure. But I remember we come out of there all the time, all these court um, cases or whatever, and we would pray, and, and you know, there was just, it was just fine, but there was a lot of praying of, you know, let them win this court hearing, let them win here in this court hearing and stuff. And I just, and I, after sitting there and just having this, and I'm not this super righteous person, if you know me. You know that I struggle like anybody, but I just remember thinking like I've got to think through this biblical lens, and I I just couldn't pray when when I was my turn to pray. It was just like, Lord, you know what's best for the kids that are involved. You know what's best for you to get the glory and to draw people to you, whether that's through pain and hardship or whatever it is, and we trust that. Like that's what that's what I pray for. Like Lord, I just pray that you're. Your judgment is, I know that it's just, and that's what I pray for to happen in these situations. And that should be our idea when we go through stuff like this, right? Real quick, you guys. Now, what about criminal versus civil cases? Well, we see in Romans 13, verses 3 and 4, 
where the state has the right before God to try criminals. I got to spend a little time in the pokey when I was before Jesus. Before Jesus, you guys, I don't like. I got sent in jail for a while, and it really wasn't that big of a deal. It's just uncomfortable, to be honest with you. And I like talk about pace a hole in the ground because I don't sit still very well, anyways. You just have to sit there all day. This is the best thing for me. I don't regret it. It was good. That was a situation where this the county. I did wrong. They had power from God. God gave them the authority to try me and put me in jail. God gives them that authority. There's a difference. Criminal and civil law right there. Okay? Christian versus non-Christian. Okay, now, let's talk about these two parties, right? I kind of probably got you guys out there. Now get back to where there's these, these two different people people in the Corinthian church that were squabbling and they went to the worldly um, justice system to get it figured out. And um, let's let's look at these two parties. Verse 7. It says, Now therefore, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated. This is addressing the heart of the person very clearly. You guys, they were and aren't we addicted to our own rights, especially as Americans? I'm American, I got rights. And we just want we want to see that. That's how we think. We're addicted to our own rights. You guys, again. This is a story I heard as I was studying. I don't, when it happened, whenever it happened, I didn't hear it then. I just heard this week as I was studying. But I guess there was a guy, um, and he had a neighbor, and he had some shrubs between them. And he wanted, he wanted to mow them shrubs nice and straight, about four feet high. And uh, he goes to his neighbor, and he's like, hey, I got a great idea. Let's take this here push lawnmower, and let's pick it up. And you stand on our side, I'll stand on our side, we'll take the thing so that it just keeps running. And we'll just go right along the top of these shrubs and we're going to mow them down nice and straight. And what happened? They lost their fingers. It was a terrible idea. And you know what they did? They sued the lawnmower company for not having a sticker saying, don't put your fingers under a moving blade that cuts things. <laughs> I can say this. I don't know if I can. I'm going to do it anyways. That's stupid. <laughs> but they did, and they got some kind of award for it. Like, what's the award? Being ignorant and stupid? It's crazy. But that's how it is. Like, we're so addicted to our rights. No, it's my right. We should have a sticker on that lawnmower. Because that was a great idea I had. Not so great. Not so great at all. You guys, Paul says right here, by holding to our own rights and how important our rights are, he says in verse 7 there, that we already utterly failed. By going to court over our rights, 
you have already failed in the eyes of God. Because it's his heart issue. Something's owed to us. It's mine. He says it would be, in verse 7, later on there in verse 7, he says it would be better to be wrong or cheated. Who are we worried about getting glory in our lives? Ours or God? We want to win. You know, it's our rights, which equals our pride, which equals destruction. The Bible says that. So again, God wants this resolved. So resolve it. Don't just sweep it under the rug. Some people, you know, they would do anything other than confrontation, right? Like it's just how some people are just that way. They just do not like confrontation. So many of my friends accuse me of that. But I don't like confrontation. I'm laughing right now. <laughs> some things are hard to get off your back. That's one of them. Okay? But... You know, that, that uncomfortable feeling, it's so worth it once you get through it. And that's why Courtney laughs and she says, she always says, you know, you speak, you speak so rough and mean to people. And I'm like, no, let's break it down. Here's what I said. This is what happened. It's like black and white. No. How was that mean? And she was like, okay, I didn't mean mean. Maybe intense. Let's call you intense. Right? When you talk about it. But you guys, my point to that is, is what the Lord has shown me and the way he's designed me, you guys, is that, man, yeah, we don't like these confrontations, and we, but, man, just get through it because it's worth it. Because when you come out on the other side and you've done it through this biblical lens, you it's either resolved and everybody feels better or you can go, oh, because before you're having all kinds of fights in your mind that never even happened and you're going crazy and you guys know what I'm talking about. I know you do. You Cody makes fun because I have all kinds of fights, but I catch, she catches me doing it out loud by myself. <laughs> this is what happens when you live in post. <laughs> Anyways, I'm sure God will use it. So, gosh dang it, I almost got time. Okay. Um, anyways, resolve that you guys, it feels better even after, let's say, you go after it and it's uncomfortable and you get through it, and maybe it didn't get resolved the way you wanted it to get resolved. But at least at that point as Christians, you can say, I did what the Lord called me to do. And I, like, in a sense, take this lightly, but I kept my side of the street clean. And it's up to the Lord to work on the other side of it. That's all I can do. Which, what does that do? <sighs> right? It gets that off your back. You stop having these fights in your mind that people see you talking to yourself. Okay? Resolve it. Get it out. Verse 8. Man, we're smoking through this. We only got 35 more verses to go. <laughs> do you yourselves do wrong and cheat? And you do these things to your brother. I'm sorry. No. You yourselves do wrong and cheat. And you do these things to your brethren. This is the other side. This is the contrast, right? You have, you have two guys arguing. You got this guy that, that, um, that can't accept wrong, maybe should accept wrong, maybe, or was cheated, and maybe should just get over the fact that he was cheated and, and, and um, go out of bed with it like that. Or here's the other side of it, of the person that is being dishonest. There's no place for dishonesty in Christian. In Christians. Are we going to fail in this? Hundred percent. But that's okay as long as we are coming to repentance and not because 
God is constantly teaching us humility. 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 Right? We should never be dishonest. That's, you know, we shouldn't be ever, right? We shouldn't be dishonest to secular people of the world. And especially there is no place for dishonesty between Christians. Because... We should expect grace from our brothers and sisters when we're confessing our sin and being honest. And we should be giving grace to our brothers and sisters when they're confessing their sins and being honest. That's how that should work. You guys, if we don't, if we don't act like that, we don't humble ourselves like that, we're already called hypocrites. Well, we're just kind of giving them some more ammo that we are, is what goes on there. We don't need to prove them right. You guys, this is a very serious topic. Again, Paul's taking it very serious. He's using very strong words. You're already another failure. You know, all these things. Where does Paul take us in the next verses, you guys? Let's look at 9 and 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will, in, will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. He said it twice. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. This, I'll try not to confuse this for you guys, but it gets a little confusing because don't forget, Paul's talking to believers. Back in chapter 3 where he's saying that People have this foundation, which is Christ, believers do. And then he goes on to talk about how you can build on that foundation with all kinds of stuff. Here's what you should build on it with. Here's some stuff that you shouldn't build on it with because it will be tested by fire. And in verse 15 of chapter 3, he says, when it's tested by fire, that will be burned and gone away, those things that you built on this foundation that is Jesus. But he will still be saved. Point being... Let's go. All these things that I just read, these terrible things, he's talking to saved Christians. But he's, like I said, it's kind of confusing or can be. But they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's dig it out. If a Christian runs both sides of the fence in living for Christ and living for self and sin. If we think we can run both sides of the fence where it's okay with all the stupid lame excuses that we tell ourselves when we do that, because we do it, that kind of attitude and thinking, there is no eternal life in the kingdom of God. Cheating others without a conscience is what he's talking about. Without a conscience, as a so-called you're a Christian, that's more of the person that put on the suit and is a whitewashed tomb on the inside, if there's no conscience in that, will not inherit the kingdom of God. He said it twice in those two verses. We can fairly ask if people that are doing that are Christians at all. Back to the judgment that we get to judge the world, in verse 2. 
But we see that happening with no conscience, no care, I don't care, but I'm still a Christian. We get to question that. Okay, look at the company Paul puts in this in verses 9 and 10. I'm going to read it again. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do you not do not dece- be deceived? Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. I read that again, you guys, because it covers everything. Anybody that lives their life characterized by those things want to inherit the kingdom of God. I don't care if you call yourself a Christian or a tree. By these sins. So now, considering committing these sin, these acts of sins, these acts, versus life characterized by or dominated by. You know, if we say, well, I'm good. I just do these things on occasion. You guys, if, if I put you to sleep, wake up for this because we're not above it. I'm good. I just do some of those things that, that I just list, lift, listed off twice, twice, Paul listed off. If I just do some of those things occasionally, it's not that big of a deal. You guys, that's not a safe place to be at all. You're fooling yourself. He also said, well, don't be deceived. You've been born again, Christians, right? We believe that. We're a new person. We have new thinking. We have new direction we're going. We're trying to constantly burn that bridge so it doesn't, that crap. Sorry. <laughs> that junk doesn't creep back up and get us again because it's constantly coming for us. You guys know that stuff. I really am sorry I said that. This is why this is to me. Um, you guys, Jesus, Jesus has revealed the destruction of our sinful life. He's revealed it. The destruction, the aftermath. Think about it. Don't condemn yourself over it. You've been forgiven, but think about it. A lifestyle of sin begins with a single act of sin. A lifestyle of it does. That's how he's warning the church like this. He's warning us like this. That just, oh, I just do it occasionally. Or maybe it's, maybe it's a stretch, but maybe it's even... You know, I just, yeah, I, I do, do, do those things, but I, I just don't give it a lot of attention. You know, so it's, it's okay. Sweep it under the rug. Man, I'm out of time. Okay. So you guys, when we crack the door to the sin, the Corinthian world starts creeping in. Is that what was happening here? How rude. <laughs> That's what happens here, you guys, right? The, the door gets cracked, and next it's infiltrating the church, us, who, who know better. Who have been re- freed from the sin and the garbage that we hated so much. And that's why we're here today. Trying our best to serve Jesus and let him do that work in us. And change us. 
They were doing that in the Corinthian church. They cracked the door and they started letting the stuff back in. And it's the wicked of the wicked. You guys were not above it. I mean, I got to stop, Tony. Okay. Dang it, you guys, there's so much more of this. And it all it all ties together. And so, Doors Team 1 wants to come up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lock it down with this. You guys... There's a big section in here about homosexuality that is very important to go through and to understand as a church. And so in a nutshell, second service is going to get both barrels. You guys get one barrel. In a nutshell, from how do, we, how do we get from this legality stuff to these nasty sins to this, this really how Paul ends this chapter? You guys, both barrels like in one shot. It, don't put a level on sin. Is we can, These are pretty self, self-explanatory sins that we just listed here. But there's some things that are very, very clear that you do not inherit the kingdom of God. But what I want you to see here, what Paul wants you to see here, don't ever sit there and say, yeah, the homosexuals, they're the worst. God has a special thing that he hates about them. I didn't see an order of like, this one's the worst and this one's the least worst, when Paul listed that stuff out. So you want to be a Christian and you want to love and live for Jesus and draw people into his kingdom and be a part of the saints that are going to get to judge Satan? Get that garbage out of your mind because it's not biblical. You won't find it in the Bible. And as Christians, this is law. So you want to say one thing's worse, this or that? It's probably because you haven't searched your heart on the things that you're dabbling in or you don't, ah, it's okay. Instead of saying like, it's all bad. So would, would, would we allow homosexuals into this, into this building? You're dang right we would fill open arms the same way that a lot of you have expressed you love Calvary Chapel because you walked in and people loved on you and said, hey, how are you? What's your name? Where are you from? That's exactly how we will treat homosexuals or sodomites or idolaters, adulterers, um, people that are covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. All these people because, you guys, we were there. That was us at one point. Don't forget it. Be loving, open arms. This is the good news of Jesus. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you listening to me babble on up here. God, uh, God loves you. He is so here to help you. Do not leave this building today struggling with one of these things and not come to a brother or sister, find somebody and talk to them about it and hate it more than you hate the pride of it. You want to keep it a secret. How about that? Because good luck getting rid of it otherwise. You've probably tried a lot of the things and you still don't. Okay? So I pray you leave today changed, wanting Jesus, loving Jesus, and just knowing that it's Him and only Him. Let's pray. Father God, we love you for your words. We love the saints that you just were able to be so in touch and in tune with you that they could write down your words.
you breathe your words through them so that we have them today. Thank you for the reality checks that we think today is so terrible and the world's going south so bad and it was doing the same thing in Corinth and in the church, God. So I just pray out for each and every one of us, Lord, that we would represent you well by fleeing from sin and temptation, whatever that is, fill in the blank, like Joseph did in the Old Testament. Flee, literally ran. God, give us the strength and the desire just to scream out, no, when Satan's trying to creep in. So that we can represent you well. We can be humbled to help people that are broken, like we were broken at some point. Thank you for our testimony so that we can help those people, God. You're an amazing God. You're a just God, and we're thankful for that. Continue to do a work in us and give us a desire to be just before you. For our good and your glory, Lord Jesus, do this work. In your name we pray. Amen. This God, we bless you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.